There is no escape. We pay for the violence of our ancestors. From Collected Sayings of Muhadib by the Princess Irulan. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we are going to read some Dune. Yes, we are, Caleb. Today, today's a, today's a Dune reading day. Today is a Dune reading day. All right. Um, anything you get from this quote right off the bat? Oh. It, it's, a, uh, it's a long one. Right. The shortness of it scared me. Ooh. You know? There's no escape. We pay for the violence of our ancestors. <laughs> you know? And immediately, my brain went to... This is our the country. Our, what we're going through as a country right now and all of the violence that have been has been brought to people's lives in the past of this country. Yeah. That's where I went. It does fit for most things. It's it's like it's like the past has a way of creeping up on us. Mm. Even generations before us, we live with their consequences. And um yeah. And we can kind of get that from the I I'm interested in why Frank decided to start this chapter with that quote you, we can kind of see the beginning of the violence here a little mm-hmm. bit right when jessica wakes up she, that's what she thinks is happening right. as well as the you're pitted the the mentat versus the bene Gesserit, and how much of those you know traditions and generations have went on to putting them together and the feud between the Harkonnens and the Atreides and how far back that goes back and all of this stuff kind of culminates in the moment we are witnessing here on Arrakis in these last couple of days. Yep. And Thufur keeps going back to his memories. You know, every once in a while in this chapter, he goes back to thinking about the old Duke or, or, you know, even, uh, um, What's it, Idaho? He's stuck in the past a little bit with his whole incident that goes on. But yeah, let's let's jump into the chapter. Let's just go for it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Hop on in. All right. Jessica heard the disturbance in the great hall, turned on the light beside her bed. And then she checks the clock and uh, sees that it's not properly adjusted to the local time yet. And it's approximately. 2 a.m. in the morning. 2 a.m. in the morning. So imagine sitting in your bed, 2 a.m., hear a thud, wake up. And, of course, the first thing she thinks is, is this the Harkonnen attack? Right? And then she's the, she immediately gets up and checks all her screens. I imagine her having, like, 12 baby monitors. Right. Checking everywhere everybody is sleeping. <laughs> Paul is still asleep in uh, his new makeshift room they had to make for him. Right. In the basement, as the, we had talked about before. Yep. It's safe from anything that may happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the Duke was not in his room, so he's not sleeping. 
he's out someplace else. Right. And uh, so, yeah, so she checks that. And then she hears somebody call for Dr. Yui. Which, I mean, us, we start freaking out in that moment because we know that you, you is the traitor. So we can only imagine what's happening. Right. Jessica finds her robe, pulls it over her shoulders, and then slips her feet into her slippers and then straps her Chris knife to her leg. You're not leaving the room without that. Oh, no. That's staying. Always. You don't know what's going to happen. So she runs out to the hallway. Um... And she runs right to the front entry where she sees two guards holding a drunk dunk in Idaho. Dunk, dunk, dunk. <laughs> His head rolled forward and there was an abrupt panting silence to the scene. One of the house guards spoke accusingly to Idaho. You see what you did? You woke up the lady Jessica. <laughs> um, there was no sign of the Duke or Yui. But Mapes stood to one side, staring coldly at Idaho. There she is. Good old Mapes. Who called for Mapes? Nobody called for Mapes, but she's there. She knows she got to be there, dude. She's a she's a good servant. Like, she just, her spidey sense was tingling now. Her lady was up and out, and there was something to happen. Right. I think she, she just heard a noise and was like, put her boots on. I mean, this is her house. Right. Is, she's the lady, you know, she's the person who watches the house. She's got to know everything. Right. And I can, yeah, I can imagine her, her undying devotion to Jessica at this point. It's like, I will be by your side for everything that happens. Yeah. Um, and then Idaho mutters, you want to do this one? Oh, yeah, sure. It's like. So woke was so woke Lady Jessica. <laughs> I my sword was first blooded on the grumman. Great mother, he's drunk, Jessica thought. <laughs> I know his dark round face was drawn into a frown. His hair curled like a fur of a black goat, was plastered with dirt. And he's in the same shirt he was wearing at the dinner party. Classic. So what happened to Idaho, huh? We didn't know what to do with him, my lord, said one of the guards. He was creating a disturbance out front, refusing to come inside. We, we were afraid the locals would come along and see him, and that wouldn't do it all. Give us a bad name. You true. Where's he been, said Jessica. He escorted one of the young ladies home from the dinner, my lady. How yeah. orders. Which young lady? Does <laughs> that matter? That matters. The one that was trying to seduce Paul or just another one? Right, right, right. One of the escort wenches. You mm. understand, my lady. He glanced at Mapes, lowered his voice. They're always calling on Idaho for special surveillance of the ladies. And Jessica thought, so they are. But why is he drunk? <laughs> Jessica turns to Mapes. Mapes, bring me a stimulant. I suggest coffee. Perhaps there's some spice coffee left. Mapes shrugs, head for the kitchen. Her unlaced desert boots slap, slap against the stone floor. <laughs> this is such a funny image. The grumpy Mapes. She's like, I got out of bed for this. <laughs> so we know that uh, Duncan was ordered by Howitt to follow one of the escorts back to her to the escort service because the escort service was where all the spies and information and 
all that stuff like was hanging about. And, uh, so what was Idaho doing there? Partying. Party, definitely partying, (laughs) getting some information. I like to think of like a James Bond kind of way, like a like respectful, but also like I can get he gets the information any way he needs to get the information. Right. They were always calling on Idaho to surveillance the ladies. The ladies. <laughs> he knows what the ladies like. <laughs> Idaho swung his head unsteadily around to peer at an angle towards Jessica. Killed more 300 men for the Duke. He might have 300 men for his Duke. 300. I love how how Frank is like writing drunk talk because it's perfect. It's like exactly what he would sound like. It's exactly what a drunk person sounds like. You keep going. What do you, you want to know why I'm here? You can't live under the ground here. Can't live on the ground here. Look at what kind of place is this, huh? So you know like when you get really drunk or your friend gets really drunk and they're having these deep like philosophical thoughts when they're like way too hammered to do anything like go <laughs> Right. That's exactly right. where Duncan's at. Because he's talking about – because he has an experience like no one else currently – he said, you can't live underground and you can't live above ground. So we'd say that Arakine is above ground while the right. Fremen live in caves underground. So he's seen what their life looks like. And he's come to a realization that none of them are worth living. Right. And you can't really blame them. No. This is, I mean, you would, you tra- when you're trading a, a planet of oceans for a planet of sand... It just grinds your gears. Right. <laughs> the sound from the other side of the hall caught Jessica's attention. She turned and saw Yui crossing up to them with his medical kit swinging in his left hand. He was fully dressed, looked pale, exhausted. The diamond tattoo stood out sharply on his forehead. Idaho shouts to the doctor. The good doctor. The good doctor. The good doctor. Um, Jessica's frowns remained silent, wondering why why would Idaho get so drunk? Was he drugged? And then Idaho, like he's reading her mind. (laughs) Too much spice beer. Too much spice beer. Attempting to straighten up, like, I got this, guys. Don't worry. I'm I'm not drunk. You're drunk. Jessica, (laughs) Jessica, don't don't even try me, Jessica. You're drunk. Well, I wonder what spiced beer tastes like. Probably really good. It's like a little cinnamony. Ooh. Well, and I mean, it got, it's like got that beer kind of hops thing going on with like a tint of like mushrooms. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, like, like two, ooh. you're connected to the universe in a different way you could have imagined. Yeah. <laughs> He's drunk and tripping out and all at, all at the same time. Like a little bit like absinthe just a little bit. Just like a whoa. Mm. Yeah. Seeing the little space worm. You just see little worms flying around. Oh, there's a little worm. There he is. <laughs> little big worm. Little baby. Mapes returns with a steaming cup in her hand, stops uncertainly behind Yui. She looks at Jessica, who shook her head. Yui put his kid on the floor, 
nodded, greeting to Jessica, said, Spice beer, huh? Best damn stuff ever tasted. It's the best stuff. It's the best stuff I've ever tasted. It's delicious. Delicious. And then I'd hoe a humble brags again of how many uh, people he killed for the Duke. Right. <laughs> Yui turns, looks in the looks at the cup in Mapes' hand, says, What's that? Jessica says it's caffeine. Yui takes the cup and then gives it to Idaho. You know, drink this. And what's Idaho say? Don't want any more to drink. <laughs> Idaho's head wobbled towards Yui, and he stumbled one step ahead, dragging the guards with him. Because he's big, right? Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, he's kind of formidable here. Yeah, this is cool. And he's got, the, like, that drunk strength. He's always, like, really pulling people around. <laughs> the strength of ten men. <laughs> he did kill a bunch for the Duke. He has, he has the strength. More than 300. <laughs> All right. So you see, he drags the guards, and then then what's he say? Sprawl like all the rest of this place. Damn sun too bright. None, none has the right color. Everything's wrong. No, right before that, right before that, that drunk stuff. He says, I'm mighty fed up with pleasing the Imperial Universe, Doc. Just, just once, we're going to do this thing my way. This is my way. And I think if you could have one sentence to sum up, um, to, to sum up Duncan Idaho, uh, it's that one. Yeah. I think I'm, everyone's thinking it. I'm fed up with the universe and I'm pleasing the status quo and the people that are out there who aren't looking out for people. For once, Doc, just let me do it my way. If I could do it my way for once. Like... The Duke is thinking that. Paul's thinking that. Jessica's thinking that. It's in the back of everyone's head. Duncan just happens to be drunk enough to say it out loud. Yeah, and Duncan will be the one that will actually like voice up and uh, um, say the thing or do the thing that's going to make it everything switch. And that's yeah. why. That's why we love Duncan. That's why Duncan keeps coming back. Um. <laughs> Everyone who's read the books is now laughing. Evan just nods like, all right, yeah, cool, man, dude. That's awesome. Can't wait to see it, Caleb. Can't wait. (laughs) Yui, after you drink this, it's just, just drink this. It's caffeine. And then he says that this is spoiled and everything is dumb here. The sun is too bright. Nothing's the right color. Everything's wrong. And Yui, like, you know, when you're talking to a drunk person, says, yes, of course, everything." Is not colored right. It's nighttime, <laughs> <laughs> which is it's just, it's just it's such like a good conversation of with a drunk. Like yes, uh huh, I get it. It's really dark outside. That's because it's night. Yeah, yeah. But I know. Yeah. <laughs> it looks weird. It's dark. You know. Yeah. You want some coffee? Drink some coffee. <laughs> yeah, drink this. It'll make you feel better. I don't want to feel better. <laughs> this is where Jessica gets fed up. You could argue with him all night. And then she thinks, this, this calls for shock treatment. Ooh. There she goes, straight to the shock treatment. Um, so what's what she decided to do? After they continue talking for a little bit, 
Um, cause you always like, no, no, I got this, Jessica, you can go ahead and leave. I understand this. And Jessica then takes one step forward, cocks her hand back and slaps him across the face. Bow. That's some shock treatment right there. <laughs> he stumbled back with his guards glaring at her. She says, this is no way to act in the Duke's home. She snatches the cup from Yui and spilling part of it, thrusts the cup towards Idaho. Now drink this. That's an order. Idaho jerks himself upwards, scowling down at her. He spoke softly with carefully and precise enunciation, as if he's got to say one more thing his entire life. I know he's hammered, but this is, I want you to understand this one. Mm. What, what, what's he say? says, I do not take orders from a damn Harkonnen spy. Dum, dum, dum. <laughs> Yui stiffens and whirls his face to Jessica. Could you imagine? Like, like Yui's right there like, oh, wait, he's talking about you, right? Okay. Yeah. Good. Because <laughs> like, she thinks Yui's like, you're a hardcore spy? He's like, <laughs> turns around like, do you know? Is it me? Am I caught? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I want to see his reaction there, but we don't get it. In fact, instead, we get Jessica's, you know, camera on Jessica. Her face has gone pale, right. but, she, but she nodded. It all became clear. The broken stems of meeting she had seen in words and actions around her these past few days could now be translated. She found herself in a grip of anger, almost too great to contain. It took the most profound of her B'nai Gesserit training to quiet her pulse, smooth her breathing. Even then, she could feel the blaze flickering they're always calling on idaho for the surveillance of the ladies he was surveilling her yachts and i don't think he would have got the information from her but he was just watching she she shoots a glance at yui the doctor lowers his eyes you knew this she demanded I heard rumors, my lady, but I didn't want to add to your burdens. What a scumbag. That's a great excuse. I knew. I just didn't want to tell you. You had a lot on your plate. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Howitt, she snapped. I went through for Howitt, brought to me immediately. And this is where she's, everyone's like, but wait, it's middle of the night. He's in the city. And she thinks it has to be Howitt. Suspicion as this could come from no other source without being disregarded immediately. Right. And you she know, snaps. She loses it. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. You don't come and attack me in my own home. Right. With, with my Duke. No, it's something you don't do. And of course, she thinks that it would be um, Howitt that started these accusations. Howitt's the one who ordered Idaho to follow her around. He's the one that would have told Idaho why we're doing this. So, yeah, Idaho, Idaho shook his head and mumbled, chuck the whole damn thing. Jessica looked down at the cup in her hand and abruptly dashed its contact across Idaho's face. <laughs> Hot coffee to the face. And he's probably like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm tough and I'm drunk, so I don't, not even, I don't care. <laughs> then she orders the guards to take him away to let him sleep it off. Right. Um. And then she asked the guards, do you know where the Duke is at? He's at the command post. Is Howard with him? Howard's in the city, my lady. 
You'll bring Howard to me at once. I'll be in my sitting room when he arrives. Hmm. And then she says, if necessary, I'll call the Duke. Like, if you want, we can get the Duke involved in this. I'm sure he'll be, you know, he'll tell you what to do. Hmm. And they're like, no, no, we don't want any part of this. Yeah. We'll go get him. It's cool, baby. It's cool. We get him. We get him. (laughs) Jessica thrust the empty cup into Mape's hands, met the questioning stare of blue within blue eyes. You may return to bed, Mapes. You're sure you'll not need me? (laughs) Gosh. Jessica smiled grimly, I'm sure. Then Yui. Like, of course, this is Yui. Like, let's de-escalate this thing. We don't want to go all the way there. They don't need to fight right now. Perhaps it is two in the morning. Perhaps this could wait till tomorrow. I could just, you know, give you some drugs, put you to sleep. Since no one's sleeping in this house at all anymore. (laughs) Perhaps you need it. Then she says, you will return to your quarters and leave me to handle this my way. Idaho wanted to do it his way. Jessica's going to get to do it her way. She pats his arm to take the sting out of her command. It is the only way. So I got Yui's like, Yui has her completely wrapped around his finger. Yeah. And Jessica probably is the only one that could figure it out. Paul figured it out right away, but... He's 15. No one listens to him. Right. Classic. Classic. Um, but no, he's, he got out. He got out alive with this, this situation. You may, I, can just, I can just imagine him just sweating bullets the entire time. Like, is today the day? Like, right. Are they, they going to find me out? And if Jessica hadn't been like the most angry she's ever been ever, she would have seen that he was being sketchy the whole time. But right she's gonna go later on in the chapter and um like lecture how it how the emotions get in the way of you logically thinking and here she is letting her emotions logically get in the way of her thinking so you know sometimes you gotta just gotta you know swallow your own medicine here Mm. Mm. that hurts all right so now she goes back to her room to prepare her room, which I find to be interesting. So what's a little context on Jessica? We'll just reframe ourselves where we are. Okay. Um, Jessica is the mother to Paul, right? She's probably around 40 years old, but she's not a full reverend mother yet. So in the B'nai Jesuit, like, order a hierarchy, right? You have your, your reverend mothers, like your council of reverend mothers, and you have like a bunch of reverend mothers who like work for different things as truth sayers and other stuff. Mm -hmm. Then you have another class, which has not gone through the spice agony yet to have that special awareness. So they're kind of like apprentices. If you want to think about Jedi, they're like Jedi apprentices. They can still do force things, but they don't have like the full capability. Right. Uh, Jessica's, She's still in that second tier. She hasn't quite crossed over yet. Right. Um, and how it has served the Atreides for three generations. He picked Jessica out from the Bene Gesserit school. Like he okayed her. Like he's seen her grown up. Like he knows everything about her. And we're about to witness just how powerful the Bene Gesserit are 
against supercomputers, masters of assassins. Right. And how it is like well-renowned among the Imperium as being like top three. Yeah. And we're going to watch him get trounced by somebody who's not even a Reverend Mother yet. Say. <laughs> I mean, granted, the Lady Jessica and her abilities, as said before in previous chapters, like no one could have put these two together. Like the, the perfect match of this situation in Jessica is too good. So she's good. Right. So, all right. So head high, she turned and stalked off through the house to her room, cold walls, passages, a familiar door. She jerked the door open, strode in and slammed it behind her. Jessica stood there glaring at the shield blanked windows of her sitting room. How it could he be the ones the Harkonnens bought? We shall see. Jessica crossed the, into the deep old fashioned armchair with the embroidered cover of Shalag's skin. Shalag, by the way, I had to look in the glossary, is like a a um a animal from Tupile, the place they would like to go, but can't go. Huh. So yeah, he's got Shalag's skin. Cool. Move the chair into position to command the door. This is probably something she's seen been done to her by like Reverend Mothers and her schooling. Right. Like the, the positioning of the door to the chair, to the lights, to the to everything has to set a mood for what's about to happen to position herself with the like advantage. Right. And this is the kind of thing that we never really get to see, especially in movies. Like you never see the person setting up the dimly lit room that they're sitting in waiting. You know, he's just like Somebody walks in and they turn the light on. It's like, there. Hello, Thuver. You know? <laughs> All right. So she sets this whole thing up. She measures where the room is. She dims um, the lights to get up perfectly. And then she goes into this Bene Gesserit-like trance to wait. Right? Let him come, she thought. We shall see what we shall see as she prepared herself in the Bene Gesserit fashion for the wait, accumulating patience, saving her strength. Man, I wish I could accumulate patience. You know how helpful that would be? <laughs> Especially, like, when you're not doing anything. Like, usually I get stuck in, the, in, like, scroll for the social media or something. Like, something to distract myself. Like, pure meditation, just gathering your patience for the moment you need it. Right. Or, like, on the drive to work. You just accumulate patience and <laughs> you have it stored up for the rest of the day. You don't lose it. This is like an electric car when you hit the brakes, right? It like restores the battery. <laughs> That's going to date me in like 50 years when people re-listen to this podcast. And they're like, you, you have, we're going to listen to this in 50 years? I have hopes. We're reading Frank Herbert's book. That's true. Written in 65. Fair, a, man, a man can dream. <laughs> All right, so she is accumulating patience. Sooner than expected, a rap sounded at the door. How it entered at her command. She watched him without moving from the chair, seeing a crackled sense of drug-induced energy in his movement, seeing the fatigue beneath. Mm. How it's old, we'll admit, three generations. Right. Pro probably hasn't slept either. Um, his eyes, oh, his leathery skin appeared faintly yellow in the room's light, and there was a wide, wet stain on the sleeve of his knife arm. She smelled blood there. So I think he, he just killed somebody. 
Oh, casual, casually. Casually. I mean, we know that there are our, there are Harkonnens. They have been killed, right? Because they said they would save some for Duncan. Right. Or, or no, the Duke said he would save some for Gurney. Right, right, right. So um, he probably just killed somebody in the city. And now he's, you know, going back to go see the Lady Jessica because she wants to meet with him. <laughs> Sorry, it took so long. I was busy uh, murdering Harkonnen. What do you want to talk about? It's just my best pastime. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica gestured to one of the straight back chairs, said, bring that chair, sit and face me. How it bowed, obeyed. That drunken fool of an Idaho, he thought. He studied Jessica's face, wondering how he could save this situation. Jessica is, is like, she wants to get to the bottom of this. So he wants to know, you know, what troubles my lady, he said, and places his hands on his knees like he's tired and they're cordial. Because that's not a thing. She says, don't play coy with me. If Yui didn't tell you why I summoned you, then one of your spies in my household did. So at least we will be honest with each other, as you wish, my lady. And then the first question she really wants to know, right out of the gate, but set precedent what's going on. She asks him, are you the Harkonnen agent? just straight up accusing like all right i know you're gonna accuse me first so i'm gonna accuse you first but you on your heels make you defend yourself first right because she knows she can get the answer to that question regardless just by his reaction yeah and he and how it gets raging mad at this point like you already ticked him off how dare you insult me he like stands up too he was sitting down old man standing down thinking he's gotta stand up (laughs) She, she says sit down and then she's trying to like get in his head like you've already insulted me by thinking that yeah like come on like pull yourself together we're in this together and jessica reading the signs on his face she knew so well allowed herself a deep breath it isn't how it she knew automatically right because she's a ben an awesome person um so now, right, the, let's see, how it says, a truth-sayer would solve, oh, no, no, Jessica says this, a truth-sayer would solve this, but there's no truth-sayer to qualify by the high board. Because mm-hmm. she wants to play the trump card automatically. She just wants to, like, end this and say, well, maybe I just tell him that I'm holding the Duke's next child inside me. Dun-dun-dun! <laughs> and that should end all discussion that I'm loyal to the Duke. Right. But she decides to save that information. But now we do know that Jessica is, in fact, pregnant. Which scared me when I read that. I was like, oh, no. Why to scare you? Because at any point in this freaking book, Caleb, I'm just expecting the next chapter to be where everyone dies. Everyone dies. And, and this I, is- don't, I don't know when it's coming. So it's like, she's totally going to die pregnant. That's what I'm thinking. She's going to die pregnant and it's going to be tragic. And your face is telling me that that's what's going to happen. Okay. I mean, I love that. Like I am setting you up so much to like the tension building each chapter. Like you don't know when the attack is going to happen. And that's why I think this would be a great movie, right? If you you just build up that tension until that moment. We're two days in. It's taken 17 chapters to get to 2 a.m. on the 
<laughs> Second day of arriving to a wreck. We took it took took a while to get here. Right. Ugh. We had to meet some people, but it's ramping up now. Let's see. We got we got got it going on. Um. Bum bum bum. And then she goes to she goes. Is there a traitor among us? I've studied our people with great care. She go down. She goes down the list, mm-hmm. and she's almost like I wouldn't say mocking at this point, but like going over the math with him. Like, let's do this math together. Right. It's not Gurney. Certainly not Duncan. And there's lieutenants that could be, but they're not strategically placed right. to be considered. Even it's not you, and it's not Paul, and I know it's not me, then it's got to be Dr. Yui. Should we call him in and put it into the test? And that's when I really want Howard to say, yes, yes, yes. But right. what's he say? He says, you know, that's an empty gesture. He's conditioned by the high college. No, that I know for certain. Ugh. So close. Jessica I mean, knew he was being fishy before when they had their interaction. If they had called him in right there, she, she would have caught him. And over happy ending for everybody. The book, the book would be this thick. <laughs> As Evan holds the book up to the screen, so I can see the amount of yeah. thickness. I keep forgetting that there's people that just listen to it because we're always like. And we appreciate if you're listening on your drive to college or you're sitting at work listening. We appreciate you. Thank you very much. You can also watch us on YouTube, Reading Dune, and uh, tell your friends because yeah. that's the way this thing grows. Unless you want to keep the mystery of our faces alive in your mind, because I've listened to podcasts before and I'm like, wow, I can totally picture what these guys look like. And then I go and see a picture of them and it's ruined and I just don't listen to the podcast anymore. In which case, we strongly encourage you never to go to our YouTube page and never look to see what we look like. Yeah, you don't want to. And that will keep this mystery alive forever. And we just hold each other in our hearts like that. (laughs) Bum, bum, bum. Okay, back to the book. (laughs) Thank you. Our special intermission there is our little like plug for ourselves. (laughs) All right. Um, So this is where Jessica says, not not only does Huey be conditioned by the high college and has his little like this this diamond tattoo, which evidently means he can't, you know, betray anybody, but he also hates the Harkonnens because they killed his wife, who was a Bene Gesserit. Hmm. And then Howitt says, hmm, so that's what happened to her. Like, Howitt hasn't figured that out this whole time? That seemed weird. It does seem a little odd. That That's what, like, that he never put that together or had a conversation with Yui that he never, right. like, thought to. I thought that was, like, an interesting, how did he not know that? Or maybe he's baiting her here, which I don't think so. Because in this whole conversation, he does, he seems to be more, um, defensive than she does. Right. And that's usually the sign of whoever's the more defensive one in the argument is usually the one that's in the wrong. When most of the time, because I'm the defensive one in, in an argument, but still. <laughs> that's where I know if I'm being too defensive, I got to shut up and just take it. All right. Enough with relationship advice. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Haven't you heard the hate in his voice when he speaks the Harkonnen name? You know I don't have the ear, Howitt said. Like, 
he's basically saying you're a you're a Bene Gesserit witch. You can hear that stuff. I don't have that. I'm just a human supermaster assassin supercomputer. Yeah, <laughs> uh, just that. Just that thing. So then she asks, "What brought this base base suspicion on me? When did what what what's the logic? Yeah, please tell me. I want to know. I'm trying to understand here." And Thufer holds on. He doesn't. He doesn't give anything away. He doesn't give anything away. Which like. Man, communication. If they could just communicate effectively, Caleb, half of these problems would be gone. But no. Oh, and that, that was part of Piter's plan, right? right. How, how, can, how can we mess with Thufur just enough to have him not trust Jessica? And if he doesn't trust Jessica, all his attention will be on her and he'll miss the thing that's right in front of his face. Yeah. Diamond tattoo. <sighs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um there we go. He says, um <laughs> they basically get a stalemate at each other. He's not gonna answer, she's not gonna answer. So she moves on. Let's us discuss something else for a minute then, she said. Duncan Idaho, the admirable fighting man whose abilities at guarding and surveillance are so esteemed. Tonight he overindulged in something called spice beer. I hear reports that others among our people have been stupefied by this concoction. Is that true? So now we're going to be talk about the condition of the men. Where? Why are people drinking so much? Why? Two days in, half the crew is hammered. Right. This is not a usual thing. What's going on? And this is where he goes. My lady speaks in riddles. That's where she gets mad at him. Apply your mentat's ability. Like, do the math for me. I'm smart. You're smart, dude. Okay? I'm, if I'm speaking in riddles, solve them. Come on. I, I'm, I'm literally spoon-feeding you what I want to hear. <laughs> Just put it together. Um, the problem with Duncan and the others, I tell you in four words, they have no home. He jabbed a finger at the floor. Arrakis, that's their home. Arrakis is an unknown. Caladan was their home, but we uprooted them. They have no home, and they fear the Duke is failing them. She ain't wrong. No, because there is something about uh, the connection between a person and a place. Right. And when you do take away, like, rip somebody up from there where they are, where they feel stable, you do put everything on edge. Right, they're more, they're more in the uh, fight or flight mode. Right. Um. Yeah. So let's see. Doofer spit. Um. Stiffens. Such talk from one of the men will be cause for Doofer. Stop that! It's defeatist or treacherous for the doctor to diagnose a disease correctly. My only intention is to cure the disease. The Duke gives me charge over such matters. But you understand I have a certain natural concern over the pro progress of this disease. And perhaps you grant I have certain abilities on those lines. This is where she thinks, I'll have to shock him. We sh it worked for Idaho, it's going to work for Howitt. Mm. And he's a shaking up. Something to break him from his routine, right? Because he's stuck in his head, working the same calculations over and over again when he needs to, like, See what's right in front of him. Right, right. So basically, 
She says, have you already convicted me? Of course not, my lady, but I cannot afford to take any chances, the situation being what it is. And then she pokes him. She says, well, what happened to Paul? You let that one sneak by, little hunter seeker, sneaked on past. Being a little sneaky sneak. Yeah. He says, I offered my resignation to the Duke. Did you offer your resignation to me or to Paul? He. Damn. She's she's going after him, dude. He's not messing around. Yeah. Now he's openly angry, betraying it with quickness of breathing and a dilation of the nostrils, a steady stare. She saw a pulse beating at his temple. I like how she's noticing, like, the dilation of, like, the, his nostrils, how they, like, flare a little bit, right? I am the Duke's man, he said, biting off the words. And this is where she says something interesting. She says, there's no traitor. The threat is something else. Like, even she missed it. Right. Well, she's trying to make sense of the whole thing. So she's jumping to the next obvious conclusion. Right. Perhaps it's laser guns, right? They've been sneaking in laser guns. Maybe they would shoot the laser gun at the shield and form an atomic blast. And so how it goes, no, they won't do that. They will not risk anything that illegal. The radiation lingers. The evidence is hard to erase. No, they'll observe most of the forms here. It has to be a traitor. That's the only way. So how it's got that right, right? He's already done all the possibilities. And he's already concluded it's got to be a traitor somewhere. Right. So then she sneers at him. You're the Duke's man. Would you destroy him in the effort to save him? Like, are you willing to, if you think it's me and you're wrong, are you, will, you by taking me away, you will have destroyed him. Right. You will have accomplished what the Baron wants if you do this. I love how he's just putting it out there. He took a deep breath. Then if you're innocent, you'll have my object apologies. Let's just hope he doesn't kill her before he finds out. Right. He's innocent. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah. All right. So this is where she gives, she lectures him. She says, humans live best when each has their own place and each knows where he belongs in the scheme of things. To destroy that place, you destroy the person. Right? She's giving her analysis for why everybody's so drunk still. You and I, Thufer all know who of the Duke are most idly situated to destroy the other's place. Right. She's talking about who could be the traitor. Right. Could I not whisper suspicions about you in the Duke's ear at night? Would he be most, that's when he would be most susceptible to such whisperings through fear. Must I draw it for you more clearly? You threaten me. He growls. She's basically saying I could destroy you already. I could have, and I haven't. Right. And she's going to say that like four more times and by before the chapter's over. I can destroy you, Thuver. <laughs> I could kill everybody. So why haven't I? Why Get haven't I? Program. If I, you know, if I was already there, I would have done it. And that's what the Duke said way earlier on. Like, it can't right. be Jessica. She could have killed me with a stiletto really early. Yeah, that shoe. <laughs> and I learned it wasn't talking about a shoe. <laughs> Talking about a knife. But Dude, I was going to live it down, man. I'm no, I had to, no. <laughs> I mean, it would have been a great way to die. Just bam. Dude, high heel to the face <laughs> while you're sleeping. All right. She, 
and then now let's see. Da, 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 da. It's clever. It's diabolical. I propose to negate this attack by so ordering our lives there be no chinks or barbs to enter. And this is where how it says, "You accuse me of baseless, whispering baseless suspicions." And that's where she replies, "Yes, yes, these are baseless. These aren't going anywhere." And he said, "He says you meet me with your own whispers." And she goes, your life is whispers, Thufer. That's what you do. Yeah, that's what you do. It's not what I, I do. I have to whisper. I'm the Lady Jessica. <laughs> you walk into my room and sit in front of the, me in my chair. I don't need to whisper to get things done. And that's where she, she sighs like, oh, he has not got it yet. Right. Thufer, I want you to examine your own emotional investment. Then natural humans, an animal without logic, your projections of logic on all affairs is unnatural, but suffer to continue for its usefulness. The way you think is not normal, but you're forced to endure it. You are the embodiment of logic, a mentat, right? She's again, she's telling him who he is. Yet your problem solutions are concepts that in the very real sense are projected outside yourself and therefore to be studied and roll around and examined from all sides. So he gets pissed again. He gets defensive. You think now to teach me my trade? I mean, I get it. Like, let's be honest. If, it's not, like, if someone's coming at you and you've been doing this for three generations and you like watch them since they were like young, tell you how to do your job, you'd be pissed too. Right. I mean, anyone for any length of time that they've been doing a job, somebody else comes out and tells them how to do their job. That's that's not that's annoying, you know? Yes. That's where she goes. Anything outside yourself, you can see and you can apply your logic. But it's a human trait that we all encounter when we encounter personal problems. Those things deeply personal are the most difficult to bring out for our logic to scan. Mm -hmm. We tend to flounder around blaming everything but the actual deep-seated thing that you're really chewing on us. Mm. What do you think about that sentence? That, that little paragraph there. I think it's some good juice. But I'm still trying to, like, wrap my head around it, you know? <laughs> All right, yeah. So he, he, when Amenta is applying logic to certain situations, right, you can see things, but when something's affecting you personally... Guess, logic isn't, the swords are no more use here. You know, like logic is not going to cut it anymore. No, it's easy to give advice for somebody else's problems, but you can't fix yourself when it's right in front of your face. Right. Because you, because you refuse to acknowledge what's actually happening. Yeah, that's where you play the blame game and do other things. He rasped, you're deliberately attempting to undermine my faith in my abilities as a mentat. Where I find one of our people attempting this to sabotage any other weapon in our arsenal, I shall not hesitate to denounce and destroy him. Right? Like, yeah. I am the Duke's best man. Like, I am our greatest weapon. Do not try to take me down and belittle me because that, that is treasonous. Right. And it's like the soldier in him coming out, you know? He's like, anyone else, if anyone else was trying to pull this, I'd like, they would be done. And Jessica's on the other side. It's like, dude, stop. Just 
look at what's happening in the real world. Please just pay attention. For one second, can you please see this? And this is where she says, the finest men tend to have a healthy respect for the error factor in their computations. Like, if you're wrong, you'll know. And you have to, you can't be 100% certain that's me. He says, I never said otherwise. Then apply yourself to the symptoms that we've both seen. Drunkenness among the men. Quarrels, they gossip, they exchange wild rumors about Arrakis. They ignore the most simple idleness no more, he said. Don't try to divert my attention by trying to make a simple matter some seem mysterious. Well, like, yikes. She stared at him, thinking of the Duke's men rubbing their woes together in the, ba- in the barracks until you can almost smell the charge there, like burnt insulation. They're becoming like men of the pre-guild legend, she thought, like the men in the lost star searcher, Umbralos. Um, um, Pampo Ampolarus? Ampolarus? You nailed it. It was perfect. The first time you got it. Thanks. Can some uh, smart listener just tell us how to pronounce this stuff, please? Yeah, you can record yourself and then email us because they don't have to put yourself on the internet. Email us at readingdune uh, at gmail.com and we'll... uh, listen to what they're saying I'm gonna... i just want one person who's like really committed to just like send us little audio files i'm perilous i'm perilous all right um let's see i'm perilous the legendary ghost starship existed before the guild let's just see in the legend of Imperlos took on, I sorry, I Googled it, took on the grander propo- proportions, envisioned as a class nine, set off in the system, da 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 da. Three weeks they'd been convinced that all of civilization had been destroyed by an alien force, but they really didn't. They kind of went, yeah, they just went crazy. Huh. So, yeah, crazy people, crazy shit. Sweet. Um, forever seeking, forever prepared, and forever unready. That. That got me there for a second. Forever prepared and forever unready. Jeez. Yeah, what are you prepared for and what are you unready for? Right. Or like, what do you prepare your whole life? You're just like preparing, 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 and then life happens. And uh, you miss it. You miss the thing right in front of you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Then she asked, she asked another question, right? This is a very straightforward question. Why have you never used the full abilities of my service? Do you fear a rival? Like curiosity. Like you feel a rival for your position? He glared at her, the old eyes blazing. I know some of the training you give Bene Gesserit. He broke off, scowling. Go ahead, say it. She said, Bene Gesserit witches. <clears throat> Right? He and uh, let that prejudice show a little bit. He thinks they are legit witches. Right. Which she, she's not going to um, den- deny at all. <laughs> she's like, go for it. I know go where you want to see it. You want to see the magic? Here it comes. <laughs> I know something of the real training they give you, how it said. I'd seen it come out in Paul. I'm not fooled by what your schools tell the public. You exist only to serve. <laughs> Now, the, that is a Bene Gesserit-like uh, saying. They right. exist only to serve. 
but I think he's implying serve who? Yeah, for serve, sure. Serve the B'nai Gesserit, serve their own their own wantings in how the world works. Certainly can't not not just to serve the Duke and who they're in service to, but there's a higher calling to which they uh, have their allegiances. Right. Which we definitely know is also true. Right. <laughs> this is what she thinks. The shock must be severe. He's almost ready for it. Could you imagine? Could you hold up? Like, like this, she's, she's baiting him, asking these questions, just waiting for the right moment to strike. Right. Just winding him up until he's ready to like take it. So, so, so she can get the maximum amount of like leverage out of him. And like cool. every time, every time she thinks that she's, she's, her thoughts go there like a couple times throughout this whole conversation. It's like, all right, he's almost ready for it. All right, here it comes. And you're just like, oh, what's she going to do? Ah! What is she going to do? Who knows? All right, here we go. I mean, I know I read the chapter, so let's get into it. (laughs) She says, you listen to me respectfully in counsel, she said, but you seldom heed my advice. Why? I don't trust your B'nai Jesuit motives, right? Who do you serve? You may think you look through a man. You may think you can make a man do exactly what you, oh, poor fool, Thufer, she raged. He scowled, pushing himself back in the chair. Whatever rumors you've heard about our schools, he said, the truth is far greater. If I wish to destroy the Duke or you or any person within my reach, you could not stop me. Whoa. Which is right there is it's that's a weird sentence because she's like, however powerful you think you are, you have no idea. We're trained to do all this stuff. And she just like deliberately goes against her training by saying what she's saying. Oh, yeah. She's like, I'll show my hand at this point. Right. But then she also right away, she goes, why do I let pride drive such words out of me? That's what she's thinking. This is not the way I was trained. This is not how I must shock him. Like, dang it. I messed it up. Went too far. Like, she's still learning. She's still trying to figure this out. She recovers, though. She does. How it, of course, on full alert and guard, Slips a hand beneath his tunic where he kept a tiny projector of poison darts. Poison darts. She wears no shield, he thinks. Is this just a brag she makes? I could slay her now, but ah, the consequences if I'm wrong. He's still weighing that error factor in there. Right. And how has he not like arrived at that thought enough already? You know, like the consequences if he's wrong about this whole thing. I mean, he probably doesn't want to think about it anymore. Like, he probably would rather trust her, but all the signs that he's getting point to her. Yeah. Oh, man. Jessica sees this gesture towards his pocket and says, let's pray violence shall never be necessary between us. A worthy prayer, he agrees. Meanwhile, the sickness spreads. I must ask you again, is it not more reasonable to suppose the Harkonnens have planted this mission to pit the two of us against each other? Ding, 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 ding. That's the right answer, ladies and gentlemen. Thank thank you for playing. Jessica found it. She's the winner. She gets a new car. (laughs) Jessica, the only freaking smart person in this whole situation. Come on. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. Doofer, we've appeared to return to the stalemate. She sighed, thinking, he's almost ready for it. 
dude, I sighed thinking he's almost ready for it. That. Like, come on, Thufer, stop it. Pull yourself together. <laughs> and this is where she goes into the next uh, dialogue, right? Like, the Duke and I, our father and mother, surrogates to our people. The position, he interrupts. He hasn't married you. Which is, like, it's just a burn at this point. Like, dude, come on. Yeah, you're not helping the conversation. You're just trying to antagonize at this point. Uh, just been riled up that you're trying to get under her skin. She forced himself. She forced herself to calmness, thinking a good rapport that one. But he'll not marry anyone else. She said, "As long as I live, there will be there are surrogates." As I've said, to break up this natural order of our affairs, to dis- disturb and disrupt, to confuse, which targets offers itself most enticingly to the Harkonnens. Who is this going to be? Yeah. Let's do the math, Thufer. Do the math again. Let's figure this out. He sensed the direction she was taking, and his brows drew down in a longward scowl. And she said, all right, let's do the math. The Duke, attractive target, yes, but super guarded. No one's getting near him. Paul, also really well guarded. Me? Sure. You could pick the B'nai Jesuit, the lady of the house. But you know that a Bene Gesserit makes difficult targets. But there are better, right? There are better targets whose duties create essentially a monstrous blind spot, one to whom suspicion is as natural as breathing, not to point fingers, who builds his entire life on innuendo and mystery. She darts her right hand towards him, literally pointing a finger. You! (laughs) She's like, she's so over trying to explain this to him right now. If anyone's a traitor, it's you. Howitt started to leap from his chair. I have not dismissed you, Thufer, she flared. The old mentat almost fell back into the chair. So quickly did his muscles betray him. Yikes. He smiled without mirth. I had to look up mirth, what that meant. Um, what, does it mean? what does it mean? Tell me. It's, uh, it's without joy. Oh. So, like, not no laughter involved so you're smiling with no sense of happiness jeez okay (laughs) this is probably something that her like uh teachers had done to her when she was a kid like in school right like this is like going to the principal's office yeah just reenacting it (laughs) now you know something of the real training they gave us how it tried to swallow in a dry throat her command had been regal preemptatory, uttered in a tone and manner he found completely irresistible. His body had obeyed her before he could think about it. Nothing could have prevented his response. No logic, not passionate anger, nothing. To do what she had done of a sensitive, intimate, took a sensitive and intimate knowledge of a person thus commanded, a depth of control he had not dreamed possible. To talk to a person in such a way with a certain tone, inflection, and frequency that you know them intimately. Like, and we've seen Paul like register people, you know what I mean? And Jessica, they do it in like three questions. Right. (laughs) And they just have you, they have everything, like all of your little cues. Like they get in three questions, but he did not even dream imaginable was within the human being. Right. Holy cow. Little does he know the power they hold. All right, here it is. 
I, uh, yeah, I have said to you before, we should understand each other. She said, I meant you should understand me. I already understand you. She's such a boss. <laughs> Nuts. Like, there's not much action here, but the tension is through the roof. Yeah. Like, no fighting needs to happen for this to be just, like, brutal. Battle of the wits, for sure. This is where she says, if I desired a puppet, the Duke would marry me, she said. He might even think he did it of his own free will. Gosh. Which is the reason she doesn't do it, because she wants to be loved without forcing anybody to love her. Right. And she knows she has that with the Duke, and she doesn't She doesn't want to like exchange that for a puppet. She's not interested in having a puppet. She wants a, a partner, a companion, you know? Even if the title isn't there right like she she's not willing to she doesn't want to gain status for the title by giving up what she already deems most precious um and i can that that's so respectable that's right. yeah thank you lady jessica for being just as honorable as the duke Lido. y'all are a great pair oh cuties Cutie for cutie patooties. Howard <laughs> lowered his head, looked upward through his sparse lashes. <laughs> Evidently, mentats have really long eyelashes. Oh. <laughs> Only the most rigid control kept him from calling the guard control, and the suspicion now that the woman might not permit it. His skin crawled with the memory of how she'd controlled him. In the moment of hesitation, she could have drawn a weapon and killed him. Does every woman, no, sorry, does every human have this blind spot? Women don't have this blind spot. No. This man, does every, does every human have this blind spot, he wondered? Can any of us be ordered into action before he can resist? The idea, the idea staggered him. He's automatically thinking about how to weaponize this. Right. Who could stop a person with such a power? And that's like, this master of assassins only thinks in one way. The logic only works in one way. Right. And that is annoying. Because, gosh, if you could just see, see, Thufer, you've glimpsed the, f oh yeah, here it is. This is one of my favorite lines in the book. You have glimpsed the fist with the Bene Gesserit glove, she said. Few glimpse it and live. You saw, you saw but the thing within the thing. Yeah. Whoa. <gasps> And what I did was relatively simple. You have not seen my entire arsenal. Think on that. And we have not. We have not. And when you do see Sir Evan and everyone else that's reading Dune along with us, when you see Lady Jessica actually engage in physical combat, it is intense. We have oh, not glimpsed her, her powers. This is crazy. I'm just picturing her on a battlefield like, kill yourself. <laughs> kill yourself. You're stupid. Kill yourself. People just exploding. More, no, she doesn't even need to. Yeah. When we get there, you'll see it. It's incredible. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Then he asked, why aren't you out destroying the Duke's enemies? Again, he's trying. He's, weapon, he's weaponized the voice. Right, right, right. Can't do that. Um, what would you have me destroy? She asked. Would you make me a weakling of our Duke? Have him forever leaning on me? 
Right. I'm just going to be his new like secret weapon. Like that's all I'm going to be. And he's going to seem weak because his woman is out killing all of his enemies. That's not what we want our men to do. Right. We want our men to be men to Mm -hmm. rise on their own. Like we don't know. We wouldn't do that. Then he goes, but with such power. (laughs) Power is a two-edged sword, Thufer, she said. You think how easy for her to shape a human tool to thrust into an enemy's vitals. True, Thufer, even your vitals. I could kill you again. (laughs) Yeah, what would I accomplish? If I can take this to its logical conclusion, if right. every Bene Gesserit used the voice and they would have a slave race of power, they would not actually have power. Right. Like, it, she nodded. We truly exist only to serve. And she comes down to, like, not just serve the human race. That is the Bene Gesserit ultimate goal, but in doing so, by her serving the Duke. Right. And, and, it's like it's like Gandalf in in Middle Earth. What he can do is so powerful. Like what he's capable of is like you can't even think about it as you're reading the book. But as the type of being that he is, I won't get into that because this is a Dune podcast, not a Lord <laughs> of the Rings podcast. That one's coming next. <laughs> um, he is there to guide the peoples of Middle Earth to like help the story move along and he's not supposed to use all of his power and 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 like show it off and and make things work his way you know yes yes and i think again this goes walking so jessica and Leto met in one night and decided to ruin the imperium forever over the span of like cocktails or something right that's been they just had they consummated paul she made that choice. Um, I think what she was kind of seeing in the Duke was somebody that she could partner with, right? The Bene Gesserit, they had the same value system. They were looking out for the humans and nurturing them in a way that was, um, you know, looking on their best interests, life-giving. That just proves our, how good our Duke is. And just hate that there's, you know, nothing for the father. All right, <clears throat> moving on. Um he says, let's just see. Do, 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 do. I lost my place because I was rabbit trailing. All right. You'll never say anything about what happened here to anyone, Jessica says to Thufer. I know you, Thufer. Right? If you talk, well, I'll come. I'll kill you, even though I've threatened to kill you multiple times. My lady, again, the old man, tired in a, in a swallow, in a dry throat. <laughs> And he thought she has great powers, yes, but it almost like doubles down on his bad thinking. But would these not make her even a more formidable tool for the Harkonnens? Come on, Thufer. (laughs) Jessica says the Duke could easily be destroyed as quickly by his friends as by his enemies. She said, I trust now that you get to the bottom of the suspicion and remove it. If it proves baseless, he said. If, she sneered. If, he said. You are tenacious, she said. Cautious, he said. And aware of the error factor. 
all right. I mean, I, I guess that's why you're top three in the Imperium, blah, blah, blah. But come on, man. Yeah, okay. Then I'll pose another question for you. What does it mean to you that you stand before another human, that you are bound, helpless, and that other human holds a knife at your throat? Yet this other human refrains from killing you, frees you from your bonds, and gives you the knife to use as you will. She lifted herself out of the chair, turned her back on him. You may go now, Thufir. So she's said multiple times, I can kill you very easily. She's reminding him again, what do you do? What would you do if somebody had the knife to your throat, could kill you, chooses not to, chooses you to give you the knife, forgives you and go and has you hope, hopes you can use the knife again as a tool. Right. I'm, I'm giving you your life back. The old Mintet arose, hesitated, hand creeping towards the deadly weapon beneath his tunic. He was reminded of the bullring and of the Duke's father, who'd been brave no matter what his other failings. That one day in the Corita long ago, the fierce black beast had stood there, head bowed, immobilized and confused. The old Duke had turned his back, on the horns, cape thrown over flamboyantly over one arm. More cheers rained down from the stands. Are you not entertained? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's the ultimate, like, I have bested this beast. This beast will not attack me if I turn my back. Right. Because I have, sh I have adequately shown that it should respect me. Right. And for how it, I am the bull and she the matador. He withdrew his hand from the weapon, glanced at the sweat glistening in his empty palm, and he knew that whatever the facts proved to be in the end, he would never forget this moment, nor lose a sense of a preem, supreme admiration for the Lady Jessica. Quietly, he turned and left the room. He admitted, she has bested me. I respect her. I cannot kill her. Yep. Jessica lowered her gaze from the reflection in the windows turned, stared at the closed door. Now we'll see some proper action, she whispered. The whole thing was just to get him to get off his butt and actually do something worthwhile. Find it. Find the problem. Stop looking at me. I am not the problem. Oh, man. <laughs> what a chapter. Yeah. I had to I had to listen to it on audiobook and then reread it to like, get like just the mental sparring that was happening right like and some of the big details you can kind of skim over uh victoria anders says and she commented in our live stream here on youtube uh what how did i miss that for the first time i didn't realize jessica was pregnant so a few chapters for now i was clearly not paying attention so happy for this podcast well thank you victoria because there's a lot of things i miss Oh, dude, yes. All the time. And it is, I mean, going going through it like this, you really have to uh, read it. And it's fun because I get to like cross-reference so many things. Right. Um, where things are happening, how are all these things mixing together. And uh, I just seeing the Mentat versus the Bene Gesserit. Right. The, the master assassin versus the witch herself. 
she wasn't even the the thing that got me about the whole conversation is she wasn't even necessarily being all Bene Gesserit the whole time. She's literally like it's when you're when you're trying to explain to somebody something that you clearly understand and they're just like on another, they're just like not thinking on the right level. And you're like, all right, dude. Okay. Uh, just think about it. Okay. This happened. And then that happened, which means, and they're like, and they still don't get it. She's like, gosh, ah, okay. Uh, you know, cause yeah, she's, she's 100% doing all of the questioning. Right. Like, all right, I want to hear this. What's going on? Why do you think it's me? You're not going to say. Right. Okay. Like well, literally spelling it out over and over and over again. And yeah, this is the chapter where you get a glimpse. I mean, we saw in the very beginning, right? Chapters like one and three, where she was talking to um, the Reverend Mother guy, telling Mahamam what's kind of happening. You see her interact with the Duke a little bit, but this is where you really see some flex. Right. And yeah, this is... Uh, this is great. So um, that thus ends this chapter, thus end of, of Reading Dune. Again, please hit us up on Twitter, at Reading Dune. Yes, talk to us. Be our friends. Email is also cool. Big fan of the old-fashioned email, readingdune at gmail.com. For sure. sure. And uh, Evan needs some more followers on Twitter. He was telling me how <laughs> he hasn't grown at all, and he's a little sad because he still has 18 from high school. Right. I, I just I have no idea how to use Twitter because – there's no I can I can tweet all I want. There's no one listening. <laughs> My tweets fall upon deaf ears. Well, I'm listening to you, Evan. I appreciate oh, well. you. Thanks, Leb. What a guy. What a guy. Well, make sure you uh any other last thoughts before I close it out? Nope. All right. Nothing. Well, that ends 2 a.m. on Arrakis. <sighs> what a long night. Yep. Can't wait for day three. All right. Thank you for reading Dune with us. And remember, stay spicy, my friends. See ya.